Very good. All right, Micah, if we can have that PowerPoint up, that'd be cool. Who's a great reader? Who's a really good reader? Ruth got her hand up first. Come on, out you come. Yeah, yeah, Ruth's a great reader, so she gets to do this. Yep. Yeah, you need them. You need them. Can I have that microphone, please, sir? Thank you, sir. Ruth's going to read for us today. Is that all right? There we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, Mm. but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, Mm. lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Amen. Amen. So you could have followed along up there. Is that all right? You could read that okay. Thank you, Ruth. It's always nice to hear other people reading sometimes, isn't it? What can we say? One of the most quoted passages of Scripture in church. We can spend... Hours upon hours breaking this passage down. We could spend months just sitting with God, reflecting upon it, and asking His Holy Spirit to make it real to us. So where do we go with this? What do we say? What do we do? What what is it that you haven't heard, but yet even in that is the wrong motive? What is it that that God wants for you to hear afresh? today is the right question we position ourselves before god as we pray father we open ourselves up to you and your spirit we thank you for wisdom and we thank you for knowledge and understanding of our mind but lord we want to understand with our spirit the things of the spirit teach us lead us guide us in jesus name we pray Amen. Grace. It is scandalous, we heard last week, but necessary if we are going to fully depend on the goodness of God to save. We're in a month-long series over Easter of what I hope for each of us will be a discovery of God's amazing grace. And our catch cry If you don't remember it from last week, shall I say it once more for you? I better turn this on. Our catch cry is this. It doesn't work. We lost it. Anyway, our catch cry, it all begins and ends with God. I think we lost power. There we go. It all begins and ends with God. We think about that passage of Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave. 
We think about what the fruit of that scripture is to our life. And we think about what it means to us. And then we think about where we launch from as Christians. It's because it begins and ends with God. When we think about what's going on in life, we've got to come to the terms and have the understanding that it all begins and ends with God. The Apostle John, also known as John the Evangelist for some, in my conviction is possibly the greatest writer on this subject of love and grace, second only to Paul. Paul, Paul got, got an understanding of this mystery so deep into himself, he was able to write with such conviction the truths of the gospel. But yet John, John captures something of Jesus that no one else does. John captures Jesus' love from the very bosom of Christ himself. If we were to sum up the book of John and even his first epistle, we would suggest it into this terms. There's a fully profound truth that it is a book of love. When we encounter God through the love of the gospel, we encounter His presence with us every day, which is His Holy Spirit. We would come to understand God's grace even deeper, even more so than we do at an intellectual level, because we've walked it out from the words of someone who has loved God so intimately that he could rest his head upon his chest, and from the Holy Spirit who sets Jesus Christ within ourselves, where he inhabits us and lives for us and in us. I had this brief discussion a couple of weeks ago. We were up in Nelson Bay, and I had a brief discussion with uh, Dr. Ken Chant. And Ken's in the process of writing a lot of commentaries on the, on the New Testament. He's just finishing his commentary on Galatians and he's done um, oh, First Corinthians and I think he's, he's up to about seven books now he's done commentary on. And I asked him, what's next? I said, maybe a gospel. And he said, yeah, maybe a gospel. I said, would you be brave enough to, 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 attack, to tackle John? And he said, oh, no, no. No, there's no one that I think that could ever commentate upon the book of John so greatly as John himself. He said there are volumes upon volumes of commentary and even still we don't grasp the depth of what John is talking about in this context of love. But then he smiled, almost like he was joking and Dr. Ken said, dare I say, God's already speaking to me about it. (laughs) In typical Ken style. Yeah, and that there would be one of those things that you could grab and say, you know, this is going to help me understand what's going on. So I pray that he writes it. But all this, I say all of this just to highlight that within the simplicity of the gospel is the very complex and confounding truths that can take us an eternity to unpack. Do you think you're going to be bored when you're there with God in heaven? But yet... So many Bibles sit upon so many shelves, not being read. It's almost like what we do with our Bibles, and, and this is not a word of correction, this is a word of inspiration. It's almost like what we do with our Bibles is what we do with the very word of John 3.16 itself. 
as Pastor Rodney said last week, it almost becomes so familiar to us that we lose the power of its truth. And if you're like me, you've probably got 10 or 12 Bibles sitting on your shelf at home. Think about it. We need to get what's in the paper into our spirits because it will transform us through the power of grace. If true on the one side, that truth so deep will send us on a lifelong journey, then true it is also that the gospel is written to speak to all, from the poor, the uneducated, right through to the brightest of minds our world has ever seen. It is so simple to grasp, yet so profound. And it is the wisdom of God that confuses the wise. But yet, there is something of the truth of the gospel that comes through when we share it in love and grace that no one can reject. The very theme of John the Evangelist's writing can be summed up in this way. It's an all-encompassing love of our God who saves. The epitome of his writings is seen in the central verse, that one verse that we look to and we think, oh, so familiar, that first verse that we learn when we come to Christ. For God so loved the world. Read it. Read it out loud. Read it back to me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It is profound, yet it is simple. And you have the choice to grab it and let it impact you so deeply that you can walk with that truth and bring light to the world. Or you can say, I know that. What's the next verse? I know that. What's the next verse? I know that. What's the next verse? But as we learn those verses and we move in progressing in likeness of Christ, we should never let those verses stop impacting us so deeply. And it seems that we begin where we have left off last week. So today, we're looking at this theme, the invasion from heaven. When I, when I looked at this, Pastor Rodney put this series together and I'm grateful for that. But when I looked at this and I knew I was doing week two and I looked at this title, The Invasion of Heaven, I got so excited. I was so excited. I was so pumped because I think about it and I think, yes, that's exactly what I see in this passage of Scripture. And yet, so many see so much difference to what I see. Last week, we heard of the story of how a religious teacher came to Jesus by night. His name was Nicodemus. Do you remember? Pastor Rodney read most of the start of chapter 3 of the book of John. Afraid he may be seen speaking to the teacher, Nicodemus, with all his questions, with all of his curiosity, sought out him who was light to him. Think about the day as a religious teacher sitting in the Sanhedrin, going through all of the different things that you're going through, the religious mindset taking place. And yet, within your, dev your devoted heart to God, you see there is dull or even dimness within it. 
almost darkness. And you see this man walk past who is light to you. Nicodemus approaches him by night, but yet I think it's because of his light shining so bright. He was not necessarily aware of the time of day. He approaches, and I've heard different theories on that. I've heard this sense that Nicodemus scared that he was going to be thrown out. I just think when curiosity strikes, when something appeals to you so much, you don't know, you don't care, you don't know when. But when you get there, it doesn't matter the time. It doesn't matter the time. You're seeking something that is important to you. And here we have Nicodemus seeking truth. In John's recording of this encounter, we are able to perceive that Nicodemus was genuinely seeking, asking and trying to grasp the concepts of the kingdom himself. Yet alone and amongst or amongst those of certain persuasions was unable to. The invasion of heaven could be translated in this way. We think about those words, the invasion of heaven. And you think, I don't understand that language. What does that mean? It can be translated as the invasion of the kingdom. It can be translated in this way, the invasion of the sovereignty of God. Or as we render it here in our title today, it is the invasion from heaven. The invasion from heaven was God himself. In the form of man, yet fully God. We've got to come to this, con- this conclusion that we, we can't let language stop us from hearing or seeing the truths of God. If there's something that's said from someone who's of a different generation to you, and you don't quite grasp what they're saying, it doesn't make it wrong. It doesn't make it wrong. It just means that they're communicating in a different context or a different language than what you're used to. So when you think about that, the invasion of heaven, we've been preaching that right up from the very start of Christianity itself. Think about it. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. In Matthew 6, he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is the same language, but with different emphasis. Hallowed be your name on earth. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The king's domain here and now in and through us. It all begins and ends with God. When we pray that, when we boldly pray that prayer, as Jesus taught his disciples to pray it, that's what we're saying. Your king, your domain to be here and now within me, around me, through me, and transforming everything that I'm in. That is heaven upon earth. That is what it says when we say, pray, when we're praying, the invasion of heaven to come. Yet to Nicodemus, Jesus says these words, and again, I'll throw them up there for you to see. For God so loved the world, 
that he gave his only son. Jesus was making it quite clear. Even though he, he confused him with the being born again and entering into his mother's womb and, and all of the stuff that happened from that conversation that Nicodemus went to in his natural mind. How do I go back into where I came from? I can't do that. Where you think about all of those things. Jesus says it plainly. For God so loved the world. I think about that. In explaining the kingdom, Jesus sums it all up in one of the most profound sentences in all of history. Within this, we see this. Firstly, we see the universal character of God's love. For God so loved the world. It's universal in nature that it grasps not just the smallest, the poorest, but everything the world encapsulates. From the creation of the world, from the moment God spoke, let there be light. Right the way through to where you're sitting right now and even beyond. For God so loved this very moment. For God so loved you sitting here at this very time. For God so loved that you are digging out the truths of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. And when you grasp that, God so loved me at a personal level that he gave Jesus for me. God so loved us as the church that he gave Jesus for us. God so loved the world. Everyone lost. No one understanding. The Jews, they knew where they were going. They knew who their God was. But what about us Gentiles sitting out in the world? God so loved us that he gave. So that in one man, he may bring the division back together in unity. So that we could all call upon the glory of God. One man. There's no division when it comes to Christianity. For God so loved the world that he gave. So the universal character of God's love is seen in this statement. The second one, the sacrificial nature of God's love. That the Father gave that which was most dear to him. Think about it. Let that grip you for a moment. That God so loved you that he gave Something that was the dearest thing to him. He gave of himself to you. And then the third one, it is the eternal purposes of God's love. That acceptance of all who would believe through faith. And I've got up there by grace through faith. So it's the eternal nature of God's his character, that he's, he's looking at this whole sense of the universe, the sacrificial nature of his love by sending that which was the most dear and the eternal purpose of God's love, accepting those who would come. And they would see grace for what grace is. That in the midst of my depravity, in the midst of who I am and who I thought I was, and what I was doing in my own strength, God chose me. And by faith, I am saved through grace. 
It is a profound statement. When we look at our reading today, the one that Ruth read out, John three sixteen to 21. I want to ask this question. How did you hear what was read within the passage? How we hear things often tells us where we're at within our Christian walk. What we hear often says that there's something about God that we need to learn in this certain area. Everyone is at a different place in their Christian walk, yes? But we all have the same beginning. We all come to Christ by faith through grace. By grace through faith, if you want to put it that way. We all come to God and we all have the same opportunities that befall us. What stops us from growth is our mindset to see where God's leading us through those situations. If I sit back and say, well, you had a better walk, a nicer journey, an easier walk than I did, then I deserve to be where I am or God doesn't love me so much. But we've already established that God so loved the world that he gave his most dearest possession in Jesus to save you. So it's not a thing about God's love, is it? It's actually this statement of who I am and my insecurities and what God's doing in me. Because we haven't been taught what it is to follow the lead in God. And that's really what it is. You can sit back and you can look at Christians across the world and you can say, how did they get to be where they're going? And you can covet what they have or you can look at their journey and say, Jesus, how do I get to where you want me to be? And what are the steps of me getting there? You see? So how we hear things is, or how we see or perceive things is often what restricts us from growing to where God wants us to grow. Because we miss God in the midst of what we're hearing and seeing. Our mindset or our worldview hasn't quite been shaped to what God wants us to understand. And there's one key factor that causes this to happen in our life. We forget one very important truth. You are dead. You are dead. Romans 6 puts it really plain and really clear. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live, I live in the power of God who saves and who can save. We miss one truth, that I am dead. So when we're stuck in the middle of a storm that we're walking through, or we're stuck through the middle of a process that's going on, we can't see God in it, or we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, because all we can see is us. We've resurrected the old man. And we've raised the old man up again. And we've tried to put it in a funny way for you. We've tried to apply plastic surgery to his face to make him beautiful again, because we've taken our eyes off the beauty of Christ. And we stop where we are because God seems to be so distant when in fact we've turned our back on Him and we've looked at the old, forsaken the new. That's where repentance comes in. 
You can say sorry all you like and you can never repent. You know that? Sorry, God, I've resurrected the old man. I'll put a little bit of putty on here. Sorry, God, I've resurrected the old man. Gee, I'm beautiful. Bit of a smell, bit of perfume. The truth is you're dead. Why do we insist on rising up the old man? We have a clash of worlds within Christianity today. It makes me sad. I read things on Facebook. I, I get different leaders' blogs and all sorts of things. And Some days I have to just delete everything because it just makes me so sad. Because we're finger-pointing at other Christians, other people who think differently than what we think. And we justify our stance because of the revelation that we have we think that God doesn't give revelation to other people and insight. I look at certain streams of the Christian movement and I see Pentecostalism and I see, what have we got? You can shout them out if you like. There's all different streams, all different streams. Evangelical, Pentecostal, charismatic evangelical. You know, you keep going. There's, there's uh, sacramental, you know, there's uh, Catholicism and whatever they want to term what their stream of Christianity is. But instead of valuing the truths that God gives us and growing together, we finger point and we point out and we say, this is wrong, this is wrong, you're just not a Christian. How did you hear what was read in that passage of Scripture? Close your eyes. Tell me what you hear. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light. So that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Hmm. What did you hear? This is the clash of worlds. Old Testament versus New Testament. Old man versus new man. Religious piety versus our father who is relational. That's what Jesus came to reveal, is it not? My father is now your father. But yet we forget the relational aspects of what a father is to his sons and daughters. Israel did not know. God as Father. And yet Jesus comes and introduces him to the entire world as a relational God. Works to get God's favor or grace to live from favor. Performance versus love and acceptance. What do you hear? What do you read in that? Do you see the negative that you've already 
lost? Or do you see the positive? That's why I sent my son. You can't do anything to appease God. You can't do anything to come into relationship with God. If that's what you hear, then that's how you're going to live. You might as well go and do whatever you want because you've only got a short time in this world and you might as well have as much fun as you can. But God sent His one and only Son so that you can experience what life is to the full. See, what are you hearing? I see a truth in here that will set you free. Heaven invades the realm of the captive and releases them from their own bondage. This is love. I'll say that again for you. Heaven invades the realm of the captive and releases them from their own bondage. Many of us have got a mindset problem when we should have an open heart. Another way to say this is the kingdom of light inhabits the one lost in the kingdom of darkness and darkness must leave. Come on. The kingdom of light inhabits the one lost in the kingdom of darkness and darkness must leave. Reality is within this passage, if we are separate from God's love and his will for our life, then we are already lost deserving of judgment, condemnation, because our hearts are evil or in darkness. Yet the good news is that God steps in. In all, all of heaven invades and light dispels darkness as it all begins and ends with God. That is grace. Jesus doesn't condemn. Jesus sets free. The two different mindsets show us light and dark And Holy Spirit is constantly illuminating truth that sets us free. That which sets us free from darkness to step into glorious light of God is grace. We see this fully through the redemptive work of Christ himself. We call that the atonement. Jesus invites us to receive life and life to the full. John 10 verse 9 says this. I am the door. If anyone enters me or by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Listen to the promise. You will find good things. Why are we digging for the bad? He who comes in by me will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So how do we apply all this? How do, we, how do we land this in a place where we can say, Steve, I've grasped what you're saying. I've grasped this and I'm going to run with it. This truth only becomes freeing in our world if we discover what it is to apply it. The very power of the word will transform your thinking. Yet I believe God wants us to encounter him in his word and not just words in a book. John 1 tells us, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is a person. His name is Jesus. To encounter the Word, you need to encounter the person of Jesus. It's not just pages in a book. Any academic can read the Bible and think he knows everything about God. 
But let me say that man is not saved until he encounters the living word. His name is Jesus. Why, why can we grasp that concept when it comes to salvation? But we can't grasp that concept when it comes to living righteously before God. Why is it that we have to encounter Jesus to be saved, but we don't need to encounter Jesus every day to live in his character? Why is it that I can grasp that God so loved me that he gave his only son for me and I can be a bawling mess as I repent, as I come to God, as I give my life to Jesus and I die to myself? Why is it that when I so encounter Jesus in that moment, then all of a sudden the book becomes a dry old stale book and I've got to read it every day because I must do it? What happens there? You've believed the lie. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus is a person, and as the person of God, as the Word of God, He gives you the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ, so that you can encounter Him every day through your prayer life, as you reflect upon the goodness of God and of the righteousness of God, and as of you reflect upon the, the, the grace of God in your life. As you say that it all begins with God, and yet in the middle of this, I'm walking this journey with God and it ends with God because Jesus returns to capture up his bride. Why is the beginning of our good works and the beginning of our salvation so profoundly an encounter with God and the end, the end, when Jesus comes back and he, he captures up his bride, why is it so personal? But yet our Christian walk becomes so dry, so much effort. I think it's because we forget to encounter the risen and living Christ in our lives. Jesus is a person. The word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Able to divide bone and marrow. Piercing directly into your heart. Can I suggest that maybe some of us are scared to encounter Christ in this way? I need to finish. When heaven, when heaven invades all that we are, we will live not in the fear of judgment from either God or man, nor the sin-conscious state, but from the heart of God that adores us. I'm going to give you a homework because I'm not finished, but I'm going to finish. I want, this is your application for the week. Can I, can I be as presumptuous as that? That you're all going to go home and do your homework set to you by your pastor. Can I be that presumptuous? Or, or do I just say, no, I, I've hit the nail on the head. We're all, we're all encountering a dry old book and we're all going to continue to live a dry old life. Can I be that presumptuous to think that God has anointing oil that he wants to refresh you and heal you with every day? His name is Holy Spirit and he wants to encounter you through the word of God. Can I be that presumptuous to say to you, you can do some homework? Over this next week, I want you to take out the book of Ephesians and I want you to read the first chapter twice a day. Ooh, Steve, that's more reading than I've done in a year. 
oh well, it's good. Because maybe by next Sunday you'll understand what it is to encounter the grace of God. I can, I can talk to the cows come home. You know I've gone over time by 15 minutes. I can keep talking about the richness of God. But Holy Spirit does it so much better than I do. So when you open your Bible, what are you going to do? Hmm. Paul, the apostle of Christ. Rah, 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 rah. Mm, that's great. And walk away. And then you're going to come back at night time. Paul, the apostle of Christ. Rah, rah. Put it down. Or you're going to approach it and say, God, I want to encounter you today. If that's all you take from this message, my job is done. God, I want to encounter you today. Because the encounter I had with you that says that I am saved, the conviction in my heart that says I am saved, I am a son of God, I am adopted, I am accepted, I am righteous, I am redeemed, that the life I live is now the life that God has lived through me and gives me and the Christ that is in me empowers me to be the Christ in the world. Those kind of things don't come by a dry old reading of the old book. Those things come when you say, God, encounter me through your word. And as he encounters you, he will highlight something within the book that you're reading. And it's one chapter. It's not many verses. It's not many. And I bet in 14 readings, you'll be a different person. Because as he highlights the word chosen to you, as he highlights the word in Christ to you, as he highlights the word lavish to you, you will go, God, you seriously want to lavish your goodness upon me? I want all of that. And you encounter him. You encounter him. And then we can say, God invades. This is what it is for heaven to invade earth today because your prayer begins with god your book reading it it is all about god and how he's made you and he encounters you in that father i want to give you glory and honor right now holy spirit i pray that you have said what you want to say today i pray lord god that you would encounter us every time we read our book Lord, we want the word living and active in us. We want to encounter heaven today. Lord, we don't want the, the signs for signs' sake. We want the signs so that we can be ever wondered in your goodness. Lord, encounter us. Breathe afresh upon us now by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Rodney.